uh, Pastor Mark and Suzanne uh, are on their way to attend a funeral up by uh, Hudson, Wisconsin. And so uh, they're not here with us this morning. Um, but in uh, Pastor Mark's place, we have uh, a great friend of Portview and a great friend of Pastor Mark, uh, Pastor Andy Shanholtz, who is currently a staff pastor at uh, the Word of Grace Church in, in Sheboygan Falls. He's been here several times in the past, and uh, it's always a, a joy and a privilege when he comes. So would you welcome uh, Pastor Andy this morning as he comes to preach? Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. It is just a tremendous blessing to be here. I love the Portview uh, family, church family. I've enjoyed being down here and speaking. Uh, just a little update on myself. Um, as Mitch mentioned, I am currently a, a staff pastor at Word of Grace Community Church in Sheboygan Falls. Uh, my wife, Jean, and I attended that church probably for about 12 years. Uh, uh, back then, 1988, I believe, we started there. And, and, and then in 2000, we uh, ended up attending Praise Fellowship, which I was a staff pastor at Praise Fellowship for about 10 years. Uh, the director of Freedom Life Skills for almost almost five years, four and a half years, and uh, they basically are still running, but they they ran out of money, and I got a call in April saying we've got to lay you off. And I said, Oh, okay, I'm not real happy about being laid off. And how I many been has had those calls? You know, you're getting laid off, and so you begin to wonder. Well, God, uh, I always look at I always look at it as opportunities. God, what do you have next for me? Because promotions are of the Lord, and so I don't look, I don't take the perception of the world standards, but I say, Well, God, what do you have next? So I, I, I text my pastor, and I said, Pastor, would you pray for me? I just got laid off. He goes, we need to talk. And I said, yeah, I know. He goes, no, no, we need to talk. So we met the next day, and it turned out that another pastor that had been on staff for 15 years had resigned that very day and asked me if I wanted the job. So being unemployed for about five minutes, that was okay. Uh, God is, I, I must, I, I see, that's, that's a proof that tithing works. <laughs> God takes care of us, and, and I'm just honored. And you know, Freedom Life Skills, I know, is is uh, still in operations. It's a great organization, a great ministry. It's changed a lot of people's lives. I've known most, a lot of you people here through that ministry, and 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 I know God's got some other things coming down the road, and you'll be hearing more about that as well. Uh, but I, I enjoy being a pastor at Word of Grace. It's just uh, amazing, and it, it's interesting. The lead pastor is 32 years old. The other past, there's other, two other pastors, worship pastor and the, uh, and the uh, community group pastor are 31 and 30. So I'm their token old guy. <laughs> and I said, well, I have a very young personality, so I really fit in well with these guys. But seriously, what they've done, they've said to me, says, Pastor, we know of you, we know of your reputation, and we really want you to come on staff primarily to help develop our gifts. We, we want, we're going to give you permission to speak into our lives and help us to cultivate the gifts that God has put in our hearts so that we can serve our people in a very effective and efficient manner. So they call me PA, which also stands for Paul, and our Pastor Andy. But uh, I, I'm just being blessed to be there and, and be a part, to be able to speak into their lives. They're just a great group of young men and that really have a great vision. They're so kingdom-minded, and that's what it's all about. It's the kingdom of God. It's not, it's not just generating numbers for our church, but it's helping people to reach their full potential in Christ so they can use their gifts and their abilities to accomplish much for the kingdom of God. Amen? And what's important is to get us healthy so that we can accomplish those things. Well, I was very honored that Pastor Mark had, had a, enough trust and confidence in me, and we had had coffee on Tuesday. I was sharing my heart 
some other things that God has done in my life and some things that I'd like to help uh, help him. And, and part of this is, is speaking into younger pastors. Now, Mark's a little bit younger than I am. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. And um, But we have, Mark and I have such a great love and respect one for another. We have a kindred heart, a kindred spirit, and we just we really value each other. And then I get the call on Thursday. It says, uh, Andy, would you be willing to preach for me on Sunday? I have to go to uh, the Minneapolis area. And and he, I said, well, sure. I said, I'm I'm always ready to go. It's like saying, sick him to the dogs to a preacher. I'm, I'm ready to preach any time. He goes, by the way, it's Christmas. I go, oh, that's right. So uh, I said, I don't think I've ever preached a Christmas sermon in my life. But I said, but the whole gospel is really a Christmas message, isn't it? And so I said, well, I, I believe that God will, will give me something to share. So if you're taking notes, uh, the, the text I'm going to use is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now, I know most of us have probably received a lot of Christmas cards already. And there's, there's different categories of people that send out Christmas cards. You have the people that have a list that they're going to send these Christmas cards regardless, and they have ones that kept the, kept the envelopes from last year, and they're just going to send Christmas cards to the people that send them Christmas cards. Or you're, or you're those that says, well, okay, i got a card from this person. I need to send this person a card. So I don't know what category you're in, but one of the things I like about Christmas cards is I, I enjoy reading the messages that's on them. And in fact, my wife and I were talking on, on our uh, on the road right down here, that several years ago when we first got married, we got this really nice Christmas card that had all the different names of God on it, and and, and just really expressed who Jesus is and His fullness. And we liked it so much we had it actually matted and framed, and for a number of years we had it hanging uh, on on our wall. And and so what I want to share with you is is, is a, a a good gospel Christmas message of Isaiah nine six, and it says this: For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I remember years ago I had developed a message just studying these various names of God. I knew it was a messianic promise about the coming Messiah that would be born and that, that we call him Emmanuel or Jesus. And then it says here in this, in this Messianic prophecy, unto us a child is born. And it goes through and it lists the various names that he will be called. And I, and I just want to encourage you. I know how stressful this time of year is. It's so stressful. And, and, and trying to go through the malls and, and the shopping is like having your gladiator equipment on just to survive. I mean, it's just, it, it's, you lose your whole focus of the whole season. It's so consumer-driven. And, 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 I, and I know that it, it's, it's a vital part of the economy in, in, in our democracy. But if we could really get back to the simplicity of the gospel message, of the purpose in which Jesus came, and take our focus off the consumerism mentality, you know that has carried into our churches as well, that if we don't like a certain church, well, we'll just go over here. Or I go to this church just for what I can get what can they do for me is the mindset. And we have so forgotten the importance of calling. Has God called me to this place? Has God called me? See, calling is not an invitation. Calling is a decree that says, this is where God has placed me. This is the place where I will grow and I will bloom because he's planted me here. And therefore, I will serve here because he's put me in the body because I have a gift that helps this body grow. I have a gift, I have a, I have a uniqueness about me that you need. And you have the same thing for me. 
That's the importance of what Jesus came as the head of the body of Christ to give us an understanding of what he's called us to be and to do and to equip us for ministry. That's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came. Not only did he come to die for us on the cross, but to infuse us with his ministry grace so that we touch the lives of every person we meet and we reflect his grace to a dying world. That's why he came. And so when we look at this particular passage of Isaiah 9-6, we see the various names that he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, in the Hebrew mind, the name of a person was directly related to his character and the essence of who that person was. And we see here that Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor because he is the king who comes with a miraculous plan to give meaning to life now and an unfailing hope for eternal life with God in the future. You know, we can count on his advice. Not only is he wonderful, but his counsel is true and it's his counsel that is the only thing that will survive. It is his counsel that will infuse us with this level of a knowing that I know that I know. His counsel is true. It is absolute. It, 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 is, it is firmly established. He will not waver from his counsel. This is someone in whom we can take him at his word. Wonderful counselor. Then we see here that he's called mighty God. Mighty God. You know, in this word mighty God, there's three distinct meanings. Now, I'm not going to teach on all these names, but I'm going, to, I'm going to camp on everlasting Father. That's what I'm going to teach on this morning. Seeing Jesus as the everlasting Father or the Father of eternity. The characteristics that we need to behold. Because every, every child, every man child that is born has the aspirations of growing up to be a father. And what do we see in the life of Jesus that helps us to become the husbands and the fathers that he's called us to be. And also for you ladies, it, it, you'll see the nurturing principle of who Jesus is because of Christ in you, the hope of glory, he gives you these nurturing principles and patterns to be able to, to raise up and to speak into other people's lives the love and the kindness and the healing words of Jesus. So it's not just for men, but I want us to understand what this nurturing aspect of his. So I'm going to camp on there, but before I get there, just to define this mighty God. See, when we, see, when we hear the word mighty God, we've heard, we sang all these songs of mighty God, how awesome he is, but you know, wrapped up in the name of mighty God in the Hebrew language is the concept of a hero God, a warrior God, a champion God. And a hero God, remember, as we were growing up, we always had our heroes, didn't we? We had our sports heroes. Today, they're not much people to emulate. But, to, but back then, we had our people that grew up that we wanted to be like. They were our hero. See, Jesus here, the mighty God, is that he's our hero God. He will never let us down. In fact, he is one that we can look up to. And he is one in whom we can pattern our lives after. That's what a hero is. And that's what's entailed in the word mighty, is that he is someone that we can look up to, pattern our lives also the warrior God. In other words, he deemed each of us so worthy enough to fight the greatest and most difficult spiritual battle of all time. He's the warrior God. But then the champion God. The champion is one who represents us. Remember when David was fighting Goliath and Goliath says, send us your champion. Send us your champion. The champion is a person or one who, who stands in your place. He's representative of the group. 
And he's the one who represents us. Jesus is our champion God because he represents us by taking the consequences of our sin on him and dying in our place on Calvary's cross. He's our champion. So when we hear the word, when we sing the song, Mighty God, remember that, that he's our hero, he's our warrior, he's our champion. But then we see Prince of Peace. And we know the Prince of Peace is because he brings peace and stability to us in the midst of chaos. Without Jesus, our life is very chaotic, isn't it? But yet, when we pray as our Lord and Savior, he indwells us. He takes up residence within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us, giving us his peace. The Prince of Peace inhabits you. And because he dwells within you, that peace flows out of me and gives peace and hope to a world that is desperate for stability, a world that is desperate for peace and a life that is so chaos. There's so much, the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will begin to fail them because of fear. This is a very fearful time. If our faith is in our government, God help us. Our faith has to be in the Prince of Peace, who will give us peace. Now, I want to go to the Everlasting Father. So the title of my message really is The Everlasting Father. Understanding the concept of Everlasting Father. See, when we look at this name, the Everlasting Father, it can be translated Father of Eternity in the Hebrew. The Father of Eternity. And this passage is descriptive of the nurturing character of the Messiah and his eternalness. And that's key, his internalness. See, it is a manner in Eastern culture, for example, to call a man the father of a quality that he is remarkable of. For example, if a person is wise, he's called the father of wisdom. If the man is foolish, he's called the father of folly. So the same type of concept here that Jesus is called the father of eternity. The predominant quality in a man is ascribed to him as though it was his child. So we see here the Messiah is called the father of eternity, by which is meant he is preeminently the possessor of eternity as an attribute. He is the true life giver from whose wounds and by whose death we are quickened. He reigns even over us now as a king. He is still the loving family head, and so in every sense, he lives as a father. He is called the second Adam, making us into new creations as we trust him by faith. Jesus is called the second Adam. And we, because of the new birth, we we have life in him. Everlasting father expresses Christ's fatherly care. It can also, in fact, this word everlasting can also mean everywhere present. And he then divine, his divine attributes above eternity and omnipresence as he rules upon the hearts of the redeemed. Now, I know it sounds like a lot of theological jargon here, doesn't it? But let me drill it down to you. What's it really saying here? Now, let me, let me paint this picture. Jesus is one in whom we can feel comfortable. He is one in whom we can trust. Now, I know sometimes when we use the word father to describe God, or the fatherly heart, or the father heart of God, also sometimes we are so wounded as children, and maybe didn't have a good relationship with our fathers, so the word father may trigger you to have a very negative connotation about someone. But let me, let me suggest this. Why don't we begin to view our fatherly relationship from God's standard, instead of putting our projection of what father is based upon our earthly father upon God? 
Because we have a sinful nature, a sinful world that is, that is, that is destroyed by sin and the curse. And because of the redemption of Jesus Christ, he makes all things new. And so we have people that have been wounded and hurt. Maybe our earthly fathers have been wounded and have been hurt. And they simply only, only replicate that which is familiar to them. Because hurt people hurt people. And a lot of times our fathers don't know what they're doing because they, they only do what is familiar, what's comfortable. Yet we use that as our standard of, of trying to describe Father God. Instead, instead of looking into the Word and seeing how, how much God loves me, how he, how he has my back, how he has my best interest at heart, that he cares for me, he protects me, he provides for me, he loves me unconditionally, eternalness. The eternal love of God is a reflection of his unconditional love that doesn't change. I don't have to earn God's love. He loves me while I was yet a sinner. Jesus died for me. At my lowest point in life, he died for me. When there was no good in me, he died for me. His love for me is eternal and it's unconditional. We went uh, last week. We, my wife and I have two beautiful little granddaughters. One's four and the other's just, just under two. About 21 months, 22 months, getting close. And uh, she's almost two. But anyway, last week we, we, went, we, took, we took our kids and our grandkids to the Polar Express up in Manitowoc. And we stayed at a hotel because we wanted to experience the, the swimming pool and just have some good family time. And we put the water wings on them and... and and, and my son-in-law, and he's a big guy. His wingspan is, you know, he's like 6'6", six, six, and my daughter's 4'11". And my wife and I, you see, vertically challenged here, but he's 6'6". Six, six. And he's got a wingspan that's just probably from there to there. He looks like uh, Giannis on the Bucks. He's just all arms. But anyway, he gets in the pool, and, and my little daughter goes to the edge, and she's a little apprehensive, a little timid, and stuff like this. Then all of a sudden, my son-in-law sticks his arms like this, and I'll smile on her face. Because daddy's there. Father's there. She felt, and he says, jump. And all of a sudden, she jumps into the pool, and he catches her and swings her around, and, and, and they just laugh and giggle because he, father was there. She felt safe. She could trust him. That love of the father, she, she, could, she could feel comfortable and, and take the embrace of the father. She had this look of excitement and anticipation that only a father can give their child when the, when the child feels safe. How would your hopes, your dreams, and your plans change if you knew there was someone there to catch you? Think about that. How would you, what would you be willing to do if you knew God was with you? Remember, the father of eternity. He's the everlasting father. He's always with you. Our Father God is always with us. In fact, our Father is standing there, Jesus is standing there with his arms open wide to say, jump. Whatever God has put in your heart, whatever he has put a passion in you to do, to prevent you from reaching your full potential, because our everlasting Father, our Father of eternity, has his arms wide open. He's saying to you, jump. What do you do when everything in your life seems to be falling apart, what do you do? Why do we develop our own plans and we ask God's approval instead of seeking him first? Sometimes we get into these messes and we ask God to come clean us up, but we've got it in our, because of our own 
choices we've made. We've caused, we, we are sometimes our worst, own worst enemy because of the choices we make. Instead of seeking God first and saying, well, God, why would you have me do? You see, the very same everlasting father who saw Joseph through the darkest days of his life still has his arms extended today. His arms are everlasting and they're eternal. They're full of might, they're full of strength, and they're always open. Do you want to go through life with eager anticipation of the great and mighty things that God wants to do through you? The question I'm asking you today is, will you jump? Will you jump and trust the everlasting Father? Or will we just look at this Christmas card as a price card and we'll hang it up until the season passes and we'll put it into a box some way until next year? Or will we take the gospel message, the Christmas message, for unto us a child is born? Will we take that to heart? And, and instead of just reading words, will we believe that these words are words of life? That he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. In fact, today we're in church this morning. And sometimes we may be here today because we just, we're, we're just, maybe we're struggling. And we're asking, does God really have my back? Have you ever felt that way? God, do you really have my back? Can I really trust you? Because I know sometimes the wounds of our past do, does drive our behavior. And we, and, and we begin to react because of the connotation we have of our Father, that he wasn't always there. How many of us have been disappointed by promises that our fathers have broken to us? And that's the standard that we have of our Father of eternity, our everlasting Father. That's what we see when we hear the word Father. But friends, I'm challenging you, I'm encouraging you, to change your perceptive because Jesus has made all things new. He's, renewing, he's beginning to renew your mind. He wants to see this father of eternity from his perspective and not from the world's perspective. That he is a father that you can count on. You can trust. And you can have that, that, that anxious anticipation and just jump into his arms. See, again, maybe we've had a hard time just embracing this concept. But see it from God's perspective. Our everlasting Father is with us no matter where we have been, no matter where we're gone. If it seems that God is not with you, and I want you to know no matter where you're going, no matter where you've been, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, because he is the Father of eternity. And if you can get eternity within your heart and begin to see things from an eternal perspective, that begins to change our whole idea of who our Father is. And again, I want to share with you some things that we just need to remember. Our plan is not always God's plan. Remember that. Our plan is not always God's plan. In Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have to remember that sometimes when things don't work out for us, maybe we, instead of blaming God, maybe we should ask ourselves, was God really involved? Did I really enlist God's direction? Or was this something, or was this something that I was motivated to do? Some wounds of my past driving my behavior. What was the reason? Why did I do what I do? Did I, it's, did I enlist God's plan for me? And if we, you know, if we have God's plan in our lives, that brings peace. That brings a comfort. 
That brings a knowing when life doesn't make sense, I can still trust God. I still have grace when life doesn't make sense. I don't have to always figure everything out as long as I know I'm in his plan. Because I've learned that since he is the father of eternity, he sees the end from the beginning. And when God, when we have the understanding that God sees the end from the beginning, we don't have to be anxious because we know that he has our best interest at heart. And we know that he's working all these circumstances out for the good because I love him and I trust him. And there are many times where I have, I have argued with God, you've got to be kidding me. God, I think my plan is better. But yet, God sees what's on the other side. I don't. I don't see what's in front of me. But yet, God sees the impact, the work that's going to occur in my life as I trust him. And when we get to that point as, as children, as child, where we begin God, life doesn't make sense. Knowing that he is not my enemy, he's not my adversary, he always has my best interest at heart. That God is for me. God's not against me. God just, he doesn't sit up there trying to create ideas to make my life miserable. Sometimes we think that, don't we? I remember having this discussion with my teenage daughter that's now 27. And I, and I said to her one day, I said, honey, I said, I may not, I'm, I said, I, I'm a flawed individual. And I, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to use that as an opening statement because she knew that. That was part of the issue was how flawed I am. But I said to her, I said, I said, honey, I said, I don't always do things perfectly. I don't always do things right. But understand this, my intentions are always right. Because I love you unconditionally. I love you with all of my being. And I lay awake at night thinking of ways to make your life miserable as a teenager. I don't do that. It may appear that way, but I don't. <laughs> I love you. And, 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 and I know culture changes so quickly, but I love you. And, I, and if I realize that maybe your plan is not always my plan, and trying to see it from her perspective, but, but I know that my plan is not always and that's why I need to enlist him because he knows better, because he sees the end from the beginning. And it may, be a, it may not be a path or a course I would have chosen, but because he's my father, my, my father of eternity, my everlasting father, because, he's, because he has that nurturing attribute that he cares for me and he's eternal, that he can see beyond what I can see. I know, if I, if I come to that aha moment that I know, that I know, that I know, that whether... I, don't, I may not like what I'm going through, but I know that since he sees the end from the beginning, that he's going to do a work in me that's going to further the work of the kingdom and conform to the image of his son Jesus. That's where faith comes in. I've just got to trust. When life doesn't make sense, I've just got to trust. Because I can't do anything anyway other than trust. And number two, the, thing, the second thing we've got to remember is this. The first is our plan is not always his plan, but the second thing is the process may be painful. The process may be painful. And that's why a lot of times we want to choose a different route because, we don't, because there's pain in the path I'm walking right now. But God is preparing you for what is going to happen, and the pain is going to shape you. In John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
because I have overcome the world. In other words, there's nothing new under the sun. I've already overcome. If you would just trust me, follow me, I will not lead you in a way that's going to bring, that's going to bring destruction to you. But I will bring you through a path that's going to shape you and mold you into an image that is well-pleasing in the Father's sight. In fact, did you know that every one of you are a trophy? That God gave his absolute best for each and every one of you. And I know that as, as, as we're being shaped and molded through the fire, I know we are, sometimes we cry and we moan, oh God, can you turn that heat down? But it's that heat that is shaping us. And I maybe have shared this with you before about the goldsmith. You see, a goldsmith, when he, when he is, when he is melting down the ore, what he will do, a goldsmith will continue to, to move the dross out and discard it. Continue to move it and, and clean it and stir it and continue to shape it and look in there and move all these impurities. And do you know, do you know how a goldsmith knows when the gold is pure? When he can see his reflection. God is stirring us through the various trials and the experiences that you're having. And he's removing those impurities out of your life so that he can begin to see himself in you. And then when he sees himself in you, he picks up, he goes, this is a trophy. And he puts it on his mantelpiece and says, here is one in whom I am well pleased. This is my trophy. I gave a great price for that trophy. He trusted me. Even though it was very, a very painful process, he trusted me as I begin to shape and mold him and buff him to an image that I could say, this is one in whom I'm well pleased. This is a trophy. This is you on that mantelpiece. And so the process may be painful. And again, I would have chosen a different path to get to where, I, to get to where I'd want to go. But I'll tell you what, I would not trade the path with any person to get me there. I look back now, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I cried, I moaned, I kicked, I screamed, cried like a little baby. Many times, because I wasn't getting my way. <laughs> I was stomping, I was pouting, I was angry. God and I had a few words. But you know, when I look, and God says, and it's all, and it's all patience, says, are you through? Are you through whining? This is why I brought you through. This is why. When we're on the other side, it's easy to, to talk about how glorious God is, but it's, but, but it's when His fire is, is nipping at your heels, when you can smell the flesh burning, that's when it's not very enjoyable. But I know that God will not destroy me. God loves me. He's shaping me. He's molding me, even when I can't figure it out. Because He's Father. He knows best. And number three, his plan always includes his presence. God's plan always includes his presence. In Psalms 23, verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, friends, if you are in the middle of God's will, then you are in the middle of his presence. God is with you, even though you can't feel it. See, just because you're in the midst of God's will doesn't guarantee that everything's going to be hunky-dory. <laughs> sometimes we just got to realize, I don't like where I'm at, but I know this is where God wants me. 
Even though I can't figure it out, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to trust you, God, because I know, I know that when I come through it, you'll say, this is one in whom I'm well pleased because he endured, he trusted me. Let me close with this verse. It's a verse that's very familiar to all of us. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26 through 31. And it kind of summarizes this whole message. Again, my heart for this message was really to encourage you, when you look at your Christmas cards, don't look at just who signed them and sent them. Look at the message. Remember the season. Remember the reason for the season. I know it's a little cliche, but remember that. When you look at that, look at the message that's being there because it should be something that will bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to bring glory to God in all that we do. That's our purpose, to be on the earth, is to bring glory to the King. Isaiah 40, 26-31 says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's the message I just preached to you. I could have just read that verse and went home, and you guys would have been happy, right? He said all that to say this. But it's a word I want us to, to understand. That as long as we trust him. And there may be times where we are weary. There are times we feel like fainting. But if we will trust him and we will wait on him and not get in a hurry. He will renew our strength as the eagles. There will always be times when life gets tough. But the everlasting father, our God, who holds the universe in the palm of his hand. It's more than capable of holding you there as well. Think about that. The bigness of your God. The creator of this universe. How he holds the whole world in his hands and there's still room for you. That's awesome. So as we celebrate Christmas, remember Isaiah 9-6 that this child shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to come back up and just a little bit in the background. As I'm, as I'm going to pray, I believe that this is a season where, where we should be just overjoyed with the presence of God. But yet it's one of the most stressful times of our lives is this holiday season. And if you're like me, you're trying to tie up a lot of loose ends. But more than that, you're trying to for launching of the new year and to start this insanity thing all over again. (laughs) But I just want to pray that God would just reveal to you Himself in such a way that you have not encountered this year. I want this Christmas season to be a time where you just aha moment. Instead of saying, yes, I know, but I want to be a time where I really know that I know that I know that this is the reason we celebrate Christmas. It's because God so loved the world that he sent his own son into the world to save us. 
So, Father, I want to pray for each and every person that is here right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, look deep within every heart. Father, I know that some are, some right now, some are struggling. They're struggling because they feel the pressure that they've got to, they've got to come up with something. They, they, maybe it's financial. Lord, I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. Maybe it's broken relationships. Father, there's some that have a heart that is so heavy. But as, as, as a loving father, I know that you so desire that that pain would go away and that they would just encounter the peace and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for every person here that you would take their pain. Lord, that you would show yourself faithful, show yourself strong on their behalf. And Lord, maybe this is a season where we have family members that don't know you. Let this holiday season, let this Christmas season be a day of an with your peace and your presence salvation and healing and wholeness in their life. Let them experience you in a way they've never experienced. Lord, maybe, it's a, maybe it is a matter that we present ourselves in a way that's inviting to others instead of someone that is pushing people away. Give us the grace and the ability to reflect your love and your peace to other people where they'll want what we have and not be turned off by what we have. Lord, only you can do that. Father, I bring, I pray healing and wholeness upon each and every person that is here. Touch their hearts if they're wounded. Let them experience your peace and your presence. Father, we give you praise and glory. And we also, Lord, decree that this word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you sent it to do. And the word says that you sent your word to heal and to deliver your people from destruction. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God, let's get God a, a clap offering. Praise the Lord. Well, family, it was, a, it was an honor for me to be here with you today. I pray that you will have the best Christmas you have ever had in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Be a blessing.